My name is Ben Greenfield, and on this episode of the Ben Greenfield Life Podcast. In some of these farms, we're not even using the physical vortexing of water. We're using our harmonizer, which is basically resonance and subtle positive electromagnetic frequencies that are imparted, like, you know, completely comprised of ingredients that are in congruency with nature. And, you know, with both of those, with both vortexing and harmonizing, we're noticing uh, less herd anxiety, calmer animals, faster weight gain in uh, livestock, decreased mortality rates. The benefits that they've noticed have been incredible. And it equates out to them, like increased profits in addition to, you know, all the positive effects it's having on the animals. Faith, family, fitness, health, performance, nutrition, longevity, ancestral living, biohacking, and a whole lot more. Welcome to the show. Let's talk CBD. I use it. I use it especially at night. I sometimes double up on it when I travel. It's hard to find the good stuff, the stuff that actually works, not only to manage inflammation and pain, but also to help you sleep like a baby. I go full spectrum, and not only do I go full spectrum, but I go with CBD that's like small batch, super high quality, harvested from these very specialty farms in Kentucky. It's made by Element Health. I've been using this CBD since 2018, total game changer for me with sleep, with recovery. Their full spectrum CBD is by far the most potent stuff on the market. It's all handcrafted on family farms. The quality is second to none. They got a gummy also, which is amazing. I pop two of those gummies and I'm out like a light within about 30 minutes. They also have their maximum strength bottle, which is holy cow. It works like one dropper full and I'm out, even on like a plane flight, whopping 4,800 milligrams of full spectrum CBD, insanely powerful stuff. And so if, if you're looking for CBD that actually works, it's powerful, that's clean, that comes in either, like I mentioned, a super tasty gummy or an oil. They even make like a, like a, not a vaporizable formula. It's like a smokable formula, almost like CBD joints. This company has it all figured out. My buddy, Adam Wungar runs it. He's been on the podcast before. Really smart dude. So here's how you get 15% off of any of the Element Health CBD products. Go to elementhealthsupply.com slash Ben and use code Ben15. That gets you 15% off. Elementhealthsupply.com forward slash Ben and use code Ben15. I'll get you 15% off. So enjoy. Hiya. No, seriously. Hiya. It's a kid's multivitamin. It's amazing. Most most kids' multivitamins, they got five grams of sugar or more. They can contribute to health issues paradoxically. This highest stuff, they make it with no sugar, no gummy junk, but it tastes amazing. Kids love it. It's a pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin. Okay, again, typical children's vitamins, they got like two teaspoons of sugar in them. They're basically candy in disguise. But Haya not only fills all the common gaps in modern kids' diets to provide the full-body nourishment that children need with a yummy taste— the kids love, but they've got vitamin D, B12, C, zinc, a whole host, 15 essential vitamins and minerals to support immunity and energy and brain function, mood, concentration, your child's teeth, their bones, but it's also guilt-free, non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, everything else you can imagine. They designed this for kids of all ages. They send it straight to your door so parents have one less thing to worry about. And my kids love it. Everybody that I've showed it to, all the parents whose children have tried it, 
swear by this stuff. It's a multivitamin that parents can give to their kids guilt-free, and it fills all the gaps in so you don't have to worry about your children's nutrient and micronutrient status. Now, here's the cool thing. You can get a bottle with your first order, and then they send you eco-friendly refills every month. And to do this, and to get 50% off that first order, you go to HayaHealth.com slash Ben. That's H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash Ben. That will allow you to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults and gives you amazing savings. So HayaHealth.com slash Ben. All right, let's talk ketosis. When your body turns out ketones... It is a state of metabolic efficiency, mental clarity, improved athletic performance, better metabolic health. The reason for that is that ketones are 28% more efficient at generating energy than sugar alone. That means you can do more with less. And ketones are usually made when your body's pushed to the limits, when it's deprived of carbs, when it's fasted, when it's had a whole, whole bunch of fat, coconut oil and butter and all the things. But you can also using the magic of science, shift yourself very rapidly into a state of ketosis that you'd normally have to fast for days to get into by supplementing with liquid ketones. You can usually drink ketones to do this. And there's one form of ketone brain fuel called Ketone IQ, fittingly enough. And it is literally, quite literally, brain fuel. None of the insulin spikes or caffeine jitters or mid-afternoon energy crashes you get from most energy drinks. You just fuel with Ketone IQ, one serving of this stuff, and it shifts you into the state of ketosis that you want, again, without being fasted or restricting carbohydrates. So it's almost like you get to have your cake and eat it too. Or if you're already into ketosis and you want to put the icing on the cake and get even deeper into ketosis, this stuff works fantastically for that too. It's made by HVMN. They created this stuff through a $6 million contract from the U.S. Department of Defense, deep partnerships with some of the top researchers in the ketone industry. It's a cutting-edge drink, and you get 20% off. Here's how. Go to hvmn.com and use code BENG20. That gets you 20% off any purchase of Ketone IQ. That's an exclusive offer for my listeners only, hvmn.com forward slash Ben G. It's called Ketone IQ by HVMN. Hey, so what you are about to hear is an interview with my younger brother, Zach Greenfield. Now, this interview is kind of two-part. We start off talking about a lot of family stuff, which I thought you might find interesting, you know, discussion about homeschooling and our childhood and you know, some things that um, that are the type of things two bros would talk about. And then later on, we get into water technologies, water filtration, the ins and outs of structured water, etc. So if you're interested in more of the water discussion, you can sit tight through the family chat, or you can just scroll a little bit forward in the podcast to the point where we start to talk about water. Up to you, but I thought I'd let you know this one kind of covers two different categories. So either way, I think you'll enjoy it. It was a great discussion. And uh, that's it. Here we go. Well, 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 folks, it's time for another entertaining podcast with one of my dear family members. It's always fun for me to be able to put family members of mine in the in the hot seat, the podcasting hot seat, so to speak, and watch them sweat. Plus, it's always it's always endearing to be able to just speak with one of my loved ones on the show. My dad's been on the show, Gary Greenfield. 
He joined me on a podcast where we talked all about water and sunlight and grounding and even his whole history of, of moving to Idaho from Miami, Florida with the dream of becoming a farmer and how he eventually went from being a fireman to owning a coffee shop to repairing espresso machines to becoming an expert in the water filtration industry, including a form of water filtration that includes what seems to be an increasingly hot topic in the health industry these days, structured water. And then I also interviewed my mom, Pat Greenfield. Uh, we talked about homeschooling and alternative education. We talked more about coffee because it's impossible to talk to a Greenfield without coffee coming up. We talked about writing, uh, editing, music. We even delved into some of her history of trauma and how she's dealt with that. And that was very open and, and raw and pretty meaningful interview. And I'm going to link to both of those in the show notes for this podcast, which you can find at bengreenfieldlife.com slash Zach. That's bengreenfieldlife.com slash Z-A-C-H because my guest on today's show is none other than my younger brother, Zach Greenfield. Now, Zach uh, has a deep history in all sorts of different areas. He's been a model, a, a firefighter, and a paramedic, and he has also of late come on as director of operations at Greenfield Water Solutions, and he knows a lot about water structuring units and how to filter your water and clean it. And because I just published uh, my Boundless Parenting book, I thought it would be interesting to A, talk to a family member, and also because I get so many questions from you guys about how to filter your water and what the best technology is for doing so. Zach also knows a lot about this as well. So he lives not far from me in Liberty Lake, Washington. By the way, are you still finishing your nursing degree too? Yeah, I'm still in nursing school. Awesome. Cool. Well, there's a lot that we can talk about here, but if someone were to Google Zach Greenfield, which I've had some of my friends do before, <laughs> Google image search of Zach Greenfield, there there's some photos of you displaying your six-pack abs and and massively fit body. And I know you're, you're a former model and maybe not quite so into that these days, but I'm curious as a Greenfield, and people are always asking me this question, so I'm going to flip it around and ask you, what are some of the key things that you're doing these days as part of your, your fitness routine or your health routine or, or your diet routine? A big one for me is, you know, is really having structure. So, you know, I always have a trainer. I always have workouts that are prescribed for me with resistance training, hit cardio. And really I, I tend to thrive with structure. So I actually also track my macros. I track what I eat. Don't really have to, but it gives me structure and I tend, you know, I thrive with that. So, you know, I don't take a ton of supplements. I do pretty basic creatine, EAAs, colostrum, stuff like that. Nothing crazy. And I keep it pretty simple. It is kind of interesting because you get a lot of people now talking about how they're trying to keep things natural and not take a lot of supplements. And then I recently came across this guy. He apparently holds like the world record in age reversal as far as achieving perfect fitness biomarkers and epigenetic age reversal and slowed pace of aging and you know, all this crazy stuff. His name is Brian Johnson. And I think I'm actually going to interview him on my podcast or figure out a way to chat with them at some point. But if you actually go to his website, I think it's blueprint.brianjohnson.co. He has a whole list of all the supplements that he takes. 
And it's literally, I don't want to put words in his mouth or in this case, capsules in his mouth, but it looks like probably the equivalent of maybe like 60 or 70 capsules in the morning, probably another like 50 to 60 in the evening, a few more before bed. And then all these other ones kind of like spread between meals. Like it's nuts. And I've talked to some people in the anti-aging or longevity industry. And to me, it seems like you have to strike a balance because it, it almost feels like these people are like living their whole lives in a hyperbaric chamber or a cryotherapy chamber, like popping hundreds of supplements all the time and just hyper obsessed with adding one extra hour to every 24 hours of the day of longevity so they can live a long time. And Justin and I were actually talking about last night on the drive home about how it, it just seems near obsessive. And we wonder what the sense would be to live a long time if you're spending most of it worrying about how you're going to live a long time, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's, it gets too complicated for me. There's there's too much to to track, and I, I don't know. I just I like to keep things you know pretty simple and easy to where I don't have to put so much focus on that, or actually you know even worry about that stuff. I haven't found it necessary, and I, I just haven't had a desire to do that. A lot of people ask me about how we ate growing up, and my general impression because they're like, oh, your mom and dad's super into health, where they like you know the hippies and patchouli oil and and shopping at whatever the early equivalent in Lewiston, Idaho of Whole Foods would have been. And I say no, but what what do you think as far as how we were raised? Like, were there were there any aspects of health or healthy eating or healthy living that you can remember? I don't remember there being a big focus on it. I think we kind of had like a typical like average American family diet, to be honest. Like we would eat, I remember on Wednesdays, McDonald's had like the 29 cent cheeseburger <laughs> and 39 cent, you know, whatever it was. And dad would bring home bags of that. I think it was 20, 29 hamburger, 39 cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what yeah. It was. And that was like, kind of a Wednesday thing, you know, and then we would do uh, Saturday would be like milkshakes and popcorn for dinner. So, I mean, you know, we had obviously a balance of, you know, veggies and stuff, but there was really nothing crazy special about our diet growing up. Like, you know, I actually even remember us eating uh, fluoride supplement tablets with our multivitamins. I mean, <laughs> well, I, rem I remember the Flintstones. I don't remember the fluoride supplements, which is crazy. We had these little pink tablets oh wait that's what those were those were fluoride i just i just grabbed as many vitamins as i want because all the ones we had tasted good the 29 cent hamburger 39 cent cheeseburger i do remember that because we had a giant suburban mom would go through the drive-thru we would have giant greasy bags full of burgers and that would be our meal from like wednesday through about saturday till the hamburgers and cheeseburgers ran out i remember that we did have lettuce but it was always like the big white iceberg lettuce and we had the giant canisters of ranch dressing from costco and we just drown the lettuce in ranch dressing and that was our vegetables take and bake pizza was another big one remember the take and bake pizzas oh yeah a lot of like uh little little caesars and papa murphy's and then the other one that we used to do a lot was like date nights and post baseball dates the top three i can think of was we did dairy queen a lot, like tons of blizzards at Dairy Queen. And then the McDonald's big breakfast, that was the one where I would always compete with dad to see who could eat the entire big breakfast at McDonald's with the little crunchy hash brown and the eggs and the syrup and everything. And then donuts, tons of donuts. Oh, yeah. Donuts. Yeah. I remember all that. At what point did you kind of like start to learn a little bit more about healthy nutrition or about shifting your diet? 
honestly, probably not until I left for, for paramedic school. Um, you know, diet really wasn't like a big deal to me. And when I got to medic school, you know, I was I was super skinny at that age. I was 19 years old. And I went to uh, medic school with, uh, I went to a contract school for the Air Force through the pararescue program. And so there was like two PJs and like a Navy SEAL in my class. And these guys were yoked. And they got me interested in like weightlifting and diet. And these guys like helped me with my diet, you know, helped me put together a workout plan. And that was kind of like my first introduction into fitness was through these guys in my class. What are you using right now to track your, your macros? I use MyFitnessPal. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I know a lot of people use uh, Chronometer and Macrofactor. The one I've used in the past is, is Chronometer because it'll give you when, you, when you type in your food data, it gives you a breakdown of a lot of like micro minerals, micronutrients, you know, individualized fatty acids. Like if you actually do want to track, which since I hung up the hat with bodybuilding, I don't do as much anymore. Like I, th- I think Chronometer is really good. I haven't messed around that much with Macrofactor, but it's supposed to be pretty decent also. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. And it, I mean, again, the, for me, it's like I don't even I don't even get down that nitty gritty. Like I'm really just tracking like I, I pay attention to the the types of fats that I eat, but I really just track the three main protein carbs fat. And then on my own, you know, obviously, like I dial things into where I'm eating you know, pretty healthy food, you know, it's not just like I'm getting fats from any fat. Like I'm pretty, I'm selective about, you know, what I'm actually eating, but I generally only track the three major, the three major components. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Did you ever run into, especially in the modeling industry, a lot of issues with what you hear about, you know, eating disorder and, um, what's the one from Zoolander bulimia, the ability to read minds. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My modeling experience was a little different because being like a bigger person, like I didn't do like high fashion or anything like that. I really did like a lot of athletic stuff, more athletic oriented stuff, like maybe Nike or, you know, Adidas and stuff like that. And that's a totally different vibe, totally different niche. Like you don't see a lot of the same stuff. Like it was actually a really good experience for me. It was a lot of really solid people, um, really fitness oriented people. There were a couple times when, you know, I, I did see, um, you know, the whole bulimia thing, mm-hmm. but it wasn't really, wasn't really common. Like my experience was actually pretty good, probably different than like a typical fashion modeling experience. Yeah. Yeah. I, I briefly, when I was, uh, when I was bodybuilding we got to the point where you had to make weight. And I think I was, I was middle heavyweight. It was when I was competing middle heavyweight and I came in in the morning and I was like a pound heavy. And I remember like sticking my finger down my throat in the bathroom, like spitting, throwing up, feeling all the acid coming up the throat and thinking, oh my gosh, like how, how could someone do this for, for years? Like, and you hear about things like esophageal cancer and acidic damage. And I realized that, that it's a, it's a pretty major issue, but yeah, like it's, it's just so rampant in that world. I, I think in the bodybuilding and the, in the fitness modeling world too, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, no, that's, that's nuts. I mean, it's not, I, I was fortunately didn't really get around any of that. I would say it was a good experience overall, but yeah, it's crazy. It happens. So growing up, we obviously did not have what I think a lot of people think 
we had, which was, you know, some uber healthy upbringing with a focus on diet and fitness, et cetera. But one unique aspect of our upbringing was we were homeschooled. I don't know what your thoughts are about being homeschooled. And, you know, if, if you felt the same way I did as, as though it was a little bit weird, it was a little bit awkward, but how, how did you navigate socially through being homeschooled and then kind of getting out into what a lot of people call the real world college, et cetera, after homeschooling? In the space we were in, you almost, you don't know what you don't know, right? Like I didn't have the experience of, of being able to compare to what public school would be like or even private school. Um, I think we were fortunate to have been well socialized as homeschoolers, probably more than most, because we were in the, remember the homeschool group, the Port Cities Home Educators or whatever it was. That's right. Port Cities Home Educators, which is like a, like a co-op kind of. Yeah. There was a lot of your, like, what you would consider like a typical homeschooler, you know, like kind of antisocial, like nerdy or dorky, which was at that, you know, the time we were homeschooled, that was kind of like the view of homeschoolers. Now I think it's obviously changed because so many more people or homeschooling, you know, especially after COVID, stuff like that. But during that time, it was like the nerds and the dorks and the yeah. antisocial kids. Yeah, suspenders, spectacles, yeah. <laughs> pulled up to the belly button, black right. sneakers that ha- were handed down to you from your 18 siblings that came before you. Yeah. And I think like our experience was like different, you know, looking back, you know, in hindsight. But I don't, uh, you know, you were involved in sports a lot more heavily like duly enrolled in sports through public school than I was. And so my experience was probably a little bit different in that there were times when I was like, you know, I kind of was aware of the difference, you know, especially even going to like public school games or or playing basketball against public schools, like just a different mentality and a different vibe. And you did, you know, I would feel a little bit like an outsider. Like I wasn't, you know, part of like what normal kids go through. But I don't think it really ever, it never really bothered me that much. Like I was aware of it, but I mean, being kind of more of like a free spirit, like happy-go-lucky, like I loved the experience because I could get done with school at noon, have yeah. a you know, good education, then I could pursue all my hobbies and go outside and, and hike and swim in the pool, whatever, you know, and it was I had no complaints there. Why would I want to give that up to go sit down in a classroom for eight hours? That was the same with me. Like the coolest part was you could get up, you could just burn through all of your studies, even though we were very curricular based, like with River and Tara and we unschooled and we don't use a lot of books. It's just a lot of life-based experiences that form the the crux of their education. But for you and me and, you know, Isaac and Rosie, well, not Rosie had a little bit different education, but like Natalie growing up, it was a lot of books like the Abeka curriculum and the Bob Jones curriculum. And we would just basically wake up and we'd have the stack of books. We'd know what the lessons were for that day. We'd burn through them. And like you said, we'd be done at like 11 a.m. noon. And then the rest of the day was just like hiking, playing in the pool, hanging out with our friends. You know, I, for me, I was pretty nerdy. So I, I would finish school. Then I'd like convince mom to drop me off at the library, go get like eight more books and come home and you know read some <laughs> more. Cause I just, I love to learn. And, and, and it's just the accelerated pace of learning in general. Like, I don't know if you remember this, but I started college when I was 15. Like that's when I enrolled at, at LCSC just cause you, you get ahead when you're homeschooling. But yeah, I think that that probably our saving grace was being a part of a huge group of homeschoolers. We just, we pretty much always had people over at our house, didn't we? Oh man, like all the time. I remember we did, 
you know, another thing we used to do was the ITBS testing, which was like Idaho State required oh, homeschoolers yeah. to do this testing, where it was like to make sure you were on par. You know, we were mostly, you know, ahead of the curve just because we had pretty focused education. But I remember that being also one of those things where it was like, well, I know we're we're doing we're not behind or anything like that. So, you know, on a from a scholastic sense, like, you know, there was confidence there that we were we were doing just fine. Yeah, I remember taking those standardized tests every year because we had to. It's the same thing in Washington with River and Terran. Like we actually have, I think it's 12 core subjects in Washington, science, chemistry, math, reading, writing, social sciences, et cetera. They have to demonstrate core proficiency in via journaling and keeping track of their daily activities. But we don't, we actually don't have to take a yearly standardized test as long as we keep journals of everything that they've done and those those are available to be audited or whatever. We don't really have to worry besides the fact that we have to bear in mind if they do want to go to college, we need to ensure that they're not behind on certain subjects so that if they do need to take a college entrance exam, you know, they, they've never seen algebra or calculus or something along those lines. But it's, it's not that difficult. And you're right. Like the, the percentage of people homeschooling now has just absolutely exploded. I don't know what it was before COVID, but I heard it was I think it was something like between one and three percent. And last I heard it was above 10 percent after COVID. So it's obviously becoming a lot more a lot more common. The the other thing that was interesting, I think, for us was the whole idea of like having a dad who was a serial entrepreneur and a grandfather who is a pretty successful businessman and entrepreneur. I want to talk about Greenfield Water here in a little bit and what you do and, and about you know water filtration technology and all the questions that we get about water because half the time just passing people on to you. So I thought it'd be cool to actually do a podcast and answer some of these questions. But just from an entrepreneurial or business standpoint in general, do you feel like we grew up? I, I always wonder this. I want to ask you. Like we grew up with this entrepreneurial bug and almost this idea that you don't work for people, you start your own business. Yeah. Even though it wasn't entrepreneurialism, probably at least for me, wasn't in my sights growing up. I think just as a kid in your formative years, when you're around that stuff, like the whole concept of that is pretty natural, you know, like especially seeing dad, you know, go from like, he did the jet boat, the custom jet boat welding, you know, company. I forgot about the jet boat company. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, you know, for me, the ones I remember the most were we had the private rural fire service for people that, you know, paid monthly for fire protection or the, you know, the ambulance company. And so kind of like following him around and being in these places, like physically present in these places, you know, growing up, just the whole idea of it kind of became like, well, you know, he can just do this. He can just go into these, you know, different arenas and start something. And so the whole, you know, maybe that obstacle some people have of like, well, I don't know if I can do it really maybe didn't exist as much with us because we saw it all the time. Like we were around it all the time and we saw him go through with this stuff and, and make it work. So I think naturally just that energy being around that was probably really helpful in, you know, us making decisions to go and do the same thing. I think my perspective on it was I saw dad, you know, once, once he decided to go from firefighting into starting an ambulance company and then a communications company. And then remember he bought a bagel franchise for a while and started <laughs> running coffee shops, had the rural fire department, 
what else did he do? Yeah, what what was the thing you just mentioned that I had forgotten about? The um Oh, the uh, jet boat. Yeah, the jet boat company where you know I I was a janitor down at the jet boat warehouse. I was one of my <laughs> that that and and making coffees and doing medical insurance billing were three of my first jobs. I remember I would actually take the Mavis Beacon typing tutor software and and just crush that every day because I wanted to beat Gina, the medical billing secretary, at how fast we could do medical insurance claims. So I think starting when I was 13 until I was 15, I would get up at 4 a.m. and just jam through as many insurance claims as I could for like two hours. They paid me almost nothing. It was like 10 cents a claim that I finished, but it was like a competition to myself to see if I could finish more claims than Gina did during the workday. So I, I actually learned a ton about like medical terminology and, and the language from doing that. And, you know, back to the entrepreneurial thing, though, you know, I haven't talked about this much on the podcast before, but Grandpa Bill on dad's side, he was a really successful entrepreneur. I mean, first in cookware and then next in the the Ansiphone, Dictaphone answering machines, like he was buddies with Zig Ziglar and all those old, old school, like motivational speaking sales guys. I don't know if you remember, but if you went and looked at the bookshelf in his office, it was all like body language books and sales books and self-improvement books and, you know, psychology of business books. And I think dad probably got a little bit of that from him. And then I feel like I personally just picked up a lot of that through osmosis, just watching dad run all these businesses. But always at the back of my mind, I never thought dad thought big enough. Like it, like with Greenfield Coffee, for example, I was always like, dude, start a website, like ship internationally, franchise, do the Starbucks thing. I always wished that he would go big with the business. And now it seems like Greenfield Water is actually, it's it's taking that direction. Like it's actually branded and it's popular. It's becoming this, it's kind of like nationwide or even worldwide phenomenon. But it, it is it is interesting to grow up with a dad who's just constantly shifting from job to job, career to career, business to business like that. I feel like a little bit of that rubbed off on me and maybe you too. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is with dad is he was, he went into these different businesses, but it wasn't really, I think it was less of like, oh, I can strike it big, you know, doing this. But for him, it was more like a passion driven thing. And I think that's probably why, you know, a lot of them weren't like, trying to scale up and get big because it was really kind of like my passion yeah and he was kind of focused on the passion trying to do the best job he possibly could at that you know at that one thing that's a good point it's more like art i don't know if you read rick rubin's new book the creative act when he talks about artists you know he talks about how you do it for you you do it for the art you do it for the expression you don't do it for the money or the fame or the popularity or the number of customers I never really thought about it from the perspective that you just outlined. Like dad did always pride himself in like, this is going to be the most amazing cup of coffee. Even if only three people drink this, it's just like the best cup of coffee ever. Or when you go and visit him at his water filtration facility down there in Viola now, you know, if you get a tour of the facility, like he's super proud all the way down to the back room where there's like the drops of water from Jacob's well surrounded by, you know, icons of the Holy desert fathers and each filter that goes out is, is blessed with this water. Like it is kind of this thing where it's this unique blend of him taking a great deal of pride in the actual art and uniqueness of the substance and not necessarily the popularity of it, you know? Yeah, totally. And that's, I think that's something that I really noticed when I came into Greenfield water 
especially, you know, being like the one business of his that I'm obviously now very involved in. It's been very, very evident that that's the case. Like it's all comes from like a desire to provide something because of a passion he has and because of a realization he has. I think it's incredibly important, especially for offering something that's like really works and is really quality versus just trying to sling things off the shelf. There's this device. This dude swung by my house like three years ago with this wristband, ankle band thing that he put on me. And then he used an app to cause it to vibrate into social mode, which made me feel like I was on a blend of like having a cocktail and maybe a dark chocolate bar and being surrounded by amazing people. And then later on, I discovered it worked for sleep, anxiety, increasing HRV, focus, concentration. I got one for each of my sons. They don't use it to wake up. It's called an Apollo. Mine is on schedule. When I wake up, it goes into clear and focus mode. And then later on, it goes into work mode. I forget what the work mode is. Anyways, it's all on schedule. Later on, after that, it goes to relaxation and then sleep. I can just wear this thing all day and it automatically adjusts as I go. No side effects, safe for adults, safe for children, students, you name it. It's just this gentle, vibratory, haptic sensation. They did a recent sleep study and showed that consistent Apollo wearable users gain an extra 30 minutes of high quality deep sleep and high quality sleep in general per night. It's safe. It's non-invasive. They've done six clinical trials on this. It's called the Apollo. You get 15% off this bad boy. Go to apolloneuro.com slash Ben Greenfield. That's A-P-O-L-L-O neuro, N-E-U-R-O.com slash Ben Greenfield and use code BG15 for 15% off. I do red light. I just got done doing like 10 minutes ago. It's amazing. Full body red light. Sometimes in the morning, sometimes in the evening, sometimes both. But the science behind red light therapy for supporting thyroid function, for supporting testosterone production, for supporting collagen, elastin, boosting cellular energy via triggering the mitochondria, healing damaged cells that have been under oxidative stress, helping with sore muscles, helping your joints to bounce back faster and get back in the gym faster. Red light does this and so much more. But not all red lights are created equal. The one that I use has undergone third-party testing. It has safety marks from nationally recognized testing laboratories. It's made from only the highest quality materials, including medical-grade components. And it is, in my opinion, the best of the best and gives you the highest dose in the shortest period of time. It's called Juve, J-O-O-V-V. I use their Elite. It allows me to treat my entire body in like 20 minutes, front and back. They also have Juve Go, which you can take on the go. Any of the Juves, you get a steep discount on how? Go to juve.com slash Ben. That's J-O-O-V-V dot com forward slash Ben to pick up a juve today. J-O-O-V-V dot com forward slash Ben. Quality, true medical grade, safety testing, and results from this stuff. Juve.com slash Ben. You guys know how I feel about fitness and nutrition and how your daily habits impact your health and your longevity and your productivity. What you may not know is that I have trained up a whole team of coaches. These are amazing individuals who have gone through a whole series of modules and programs and lessons from me. They meet with me every month and they are well, well trained in all my methodologies. They can take all the guesswork out of planning solutions for your nutrition and your fitness, whether you want to run a marathon, do a triathlon or a Spartan race, whether you're just trying to sleep better whether you're looking for better brain performance, whether you're looking for age reversal strategies, biohacking strategies, they know it all. It's a huge waste of your time and energy to follow some random fitness plan or approach your nutrition without a thought out 
personalized approach, but you can take the guesswork out of it all and get the results that you really want by working with one of my coaches at bengreenfieldcoaching.com. All the plans totally customized to your lifestyle and your bio individuality. We've got full levels of support from easy to follow plans all the way to constant support, VIP status, accountability from highly trained coaches, all the latest biohacking recommendations. We dig deep. It's more than just you like work out and here's what to eat. It's way more than that. You're going to be super duper well cared for with any of our coaches. And if you want to finally take the guesswork out of your training, out of your eating, out of your supplementation, out of everything you do, and you want to implement a lot of the kind of stuff that you hear about on this podcast that you read me writing about, then you definitely want to work with one of my coaches. I can only coach so many people. That's why I trained up these coaches to do the same type of stuff that I do using the same approach. So they've all been vetted heavily and you can check them out at bengreenfieldcoaching.com and reach your goals more quickly, more safely, and more effectively today. That's probably like the longest introduction ever into water, but I, <laughs> I thought it'd be interesting just for people to hear a little bit about you know, about our, our background and you know and, and how this this whole Greenfield Water thing came to be. And correct me if I'm wrong, by the way, just just a little bit back to the beginnings of Greenfield Water. Like from my understanding, when Dad was repairing espresso machines, he might have a little bit different way of telling this story, and maybe you too, but. He found that, and and being a gourmet coffee roaster, he found that the two major things that affected the quality of the coffee and the cupping experience was the quality of the bean, the sourcing of the bean and the roasting process, but then also the water that was being used in the espresso machine or in the, the making of the cup of coffee. And that's how he originally got interested in the science of water. Does that sound about right? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, water... It's something that's, I think, a lot of times overlooked, too, in, like, restaurant industry and stuff like that is really the quality of the water and how much it actually affects the taste of the coffee. Um, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So so let's let's talk about Greenfield Water. So how do you describe Greenfield Water to people, like, like as far as what Greenfield Water Solutions does? Well, really, I mean, we offer high-end water filtration, but I think the more foundational aspect of it is the structuring and energizing that we, you know, the component that we add to all of our systems. And really, I would say the the ultimate description would be bringing water back to its natural state, which covers quite a bit of ground, you know, that covers, you know, clean water, that covers water that's energized and structured. And, you know, in a natural state, which, you know, is congruent with using principles that are congruent with nature, which our body is going to respond to the best. So, so is structured water, is that basically what the water filter is producing? Like, like when it goes through the filter and comes out the other end is, is the main differentiating characteristic, the fact that the water is, you know, well, some people call it magnetized, some people call it hexagonal water, but basically water with the structure that's been altered to form a cluster, like, like a, a crystalline structure, like a hexagonal structure that you normally wouldn't get if it was sitting in cisterns or in municipal water supplies. It's basically water closer to what water would be from a molecular standpoint if it were like tumbling over rocks in an underground spring or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And, and then adding the component of, you know, filtering to that. But ultimately, I think the most foundational key difference in providing a water filter that gives you clean water, that's great, but then making it really health beneficial and actually like increasing your life force energy 
and, you know, helping with recovery and hydration, like that's really the key thing. I mean, you're getting so much, so most of the benefits of water are going to come from putting it in that state versus just running it through a filter and making it clean. And it's different than, than H2O, like, like structured water. And, and, you know, Gerald Pollack is probably the most well-known guy at University of Washington who has done a lot of research on what's called fourth phase water or easy water. This idea, and Dr. Thomas Cowan talks about this a lot too, how if you look at water, for example, in a fruit or in like a chia seed pudding or in structured water or probably most relevant to health in the actual water that's in the cells in the human body, the chemical formula is closer to H3O2. Like it's three hydrogen molecules combined with two oxygen molecules. It's thicker, it's denser, it's more viscous than normal water, and it's more of like a a gel-like substance. And from a cellular standpoint, that's what allows for the transfer of electrolytes in and out of cells. Like, like there's this old school idea. I think it was uh, Gilbert Ling was the original researcher who proposed that possibly this sodium potassium pump that we all learn about in biology is not necessarily the main way that charges move in and out of a cell. And that the, the main way that charges are distributed is via the movement of charges through this gel-like structure of water and those molecules of structured water because they're thicker and denser and more viscous are supposed to have a higher, what's called like a vibrational charge. And so you're actually able to stay hydrated better and you're able to allow for electron transfer in and out of cells a little bit more readily when the water is in that that hexagonal pattern. And then Gerald Pollack what he found was at University of Washington, like if he'd shine photons of light, like sunlight, for example, at water in a test tube, that the water that was structured kind of moved up the test tube against gravity in the same way that it would, say, like in the vasculature of a plant. And so the water has less resistance to traveling through vessels. And there, there's this guy, Stephen Hussey, who wrote a book called Understanding the Heart. And he talks about how the heart is a uh, toroidal shape. I think he describes it as like a tetrahedron shape inside the chest where when the heart beats or pumps or contracts, there's no way from a physics standpoint that the strength of that pumping action would be strong enough to move all the blood in your body through all the little capillaries that would distribute blood throughout the entire body all the way out to each fingertip or the end of each toe and throughout each organ. And therefore, what the heart is doing is when it's pumping, it's creating like like a vortice. It's almost like a swirling action that swirls the blood, that structures the fluid, and that allows for it to move against resistance more readily because it's pulled by a charge. I think it's a positive charge on the on the interior of the vessel and a negative charge in, in the water that's allowing water to move in the same way that water would move against gravity up through a plant. That's the way that it's moving through your body. And so if you're getting things like sunlight exposure, drinking structured water, getting adequate intake of electrolytes and minerals and things like magnesium, you're actually able to have better cardiovascular performance and ultimately better oxygenation of tissue. And you know, poor oxygenation of tissue is what's related to most chronic diseases. And so if you're able to somehow structure the water in your body to drink structured water, to get adequate access to photons of light, you almost create this perfect scenario for hydration and oxygenation. It's been incredibly helpful to have, you know, people like Dr. Gerald Pollack kind of put a scientific 
mark on something that was really kind of considered woo-woo for quite a long time. So I think it's important to have that. It's been incredible to have people like him kind of describe the functionality on a scientific level. And I think in addition to that, you know, there's also the energetic side of things other than the physical vortexing. There's so much evidence that shows that water actually collects, stores, and transmits transmits information like a computer almost, like, you know, uh, that receives, stores, and transmits information. And so, you know, like Masaru Emoto, who is a water researcher, uh, like with human consciousness, which is, you know, essentially EMF energy, he was able to see that, you know, water subjected to different energetic stimuli, it would have an effect on the water um, when the water was frozen. And so he would study the crystalline structure of water in that state. And so they kind of brought like this, it brings like this important energetic side to the, you know, the physical vortexing of water too, which is, um, I think, really important to add to the effects of structured water. And it's important to understand that stuff too, I think. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like Masaru Moto catches a lot of flack because I, I think some of his research wasn't as as well done as you know a guy like Gerald Pollock when it comes to the actual molecular composition of the water. But his idea was well, water that gets exposed to certain energies, especially water if it's in this hexagonal structure, is able to hold or store that information, which is the theory behind things like homeopathy or dissolving things in very, very small amounts in water and the water carries the information or the frequency or the energy of that thing that it's been exposed to. And so when you drink the water, you get a lot of those effects. Like there's one device, uh, it's called an infopathy device. I've experimented with it a little bit. It'll like blast the water with the frequency or the energy of, let's say, something you'd want to have before a meal to stabilize blood glucose, like berberine. And rather than taking a berberine capsule, you could actually drink the water that's been exposed to the frequency or the energy of berberine and get a similar effect. And I realize like a lot of people are raising their eyebrows at that and wondering, you know, how legit that is. But I, I think that the bigger picture, whether or not you believe water could be the same as taking a supplement, is that if water is somehow structured, it can allow for better carrying of minerals through the body and may possibly allow for better hydration. I think what's interesting is some of the stuff that you guys have noticed when you're using these filters that structure the water with things like animals, pets. I, I know you've done some stuff with people, but I think I think Dad was telling me about some of the farms that use the larger filtration units. What have you guys seen? Well, it's pretty incredible. I mean, you know, in some of these farms, we're not even, you know, using the physical vortexing of water we're using the our harmonizer which is basically resonance right um and subtle positive electromagnetic frequencies that are imparted like you know completely comprised of ingredients that are in congruency with nature and you know with both of those with both vortexing and harmonizing we're noticing uh you know less herd anxiety calmer animals um, faster weight gain in uh, livestock a lot of these farms are, are conventional too. They're not necessarily like, you know, totally organic farms, decreased mortality rates. And then, you know, a big one is a animals preferring troughs with structured water or with a harmonizer in the trough versus, you know, your standard tap water. And a lot of these are anecdotal from, you know, ranchers and farmers that, you know, are using these devices, but 
you know, the benefits that they've noticed have been incredible and it equates out to them like for increased profits in addition to, you know, all the positive effects it's having on the animals. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and despite the, the science, in my opinion, again, being weak, this idea that you can order water kind of like a crystal, right. And that forms that exclusion zone that allows it to move through vasculature more readily and may also enhance the filtration process. If, if you do create this unique molecular structure in water, I think that's interesting, even though there's not a ton of great science behind it. But I think what's more compelling is what actually happens to people and what they report when they drink this water and, and when they bathe in it and shower in it and, and how it tastes. So as far as the actual filters themselves, what's going on? Like, how is it, how is the structuring process actually taking place? You know, we manufacture the vortex or energizers, but we don't manufacture filters. So we go out and we find, you know, the best companies we can, you know, either in Germany or America or Italy or wherever that provide the best filtration we can find. So we marry the vortex or energizer to that. So like on a typical undersink system, we have three stages of filtration. And then as it goes up, before it goes up to your sink or your spigot, it's going through a, a vortex or energizer. So it's kind of like to polish the water off. Our final step is structuring and energizing the water before you know it goes into your glass. Um, and it's the same thing with our whole home systems too. Every filter that we sell has that attached to it. So the actual filters themselves, you're, you're importing those. Where exactly are you importing them from? I mean, like where, where are you finding the filtration technology? In kind of searching for like the best filtration, we had to bring on people that were actually very well educated in water filtration that had been in the industry for a long time. And then through them, you know, we found suppliers that, you know, comparing different types of carbon, comparing the surface areas of the carbon, the, the carbon's charge, its effectiveness. And most of our medias come out of Germany through a company called Watchwater. This company is kind of on the spearhead of water filtration and figuring out how to have optimal filtration without the side effects of like RO and distillation, like without water waste and without removing all the minerals. And that's the company that we've, you know, been really working with a lot uh, just because of how forward focused they are and how focused they are not kind of staying stagnant and in old archaic filtration techniques, but actually, you know, as water is getting worse, being able to move with that and provide the best filtration possible. We're constantly looking for the silver bullet, you know, you're never going to find the silver bullet, but the, the goal is to get as close as possible. That's why we work with companies that are constantly moving in that direction. You've seen my water filtration system. I have a well. So first it's going through a manganese filter and a bacterial iron filter, but then it passes through one of these whole house structured water filters that you guys make. Is it like a carbon block? Is it reverse osmosis or what's the actual, what's the actual filter? We have different filters for, for different functions. So we do have, you know, catalytic carbon, carbon block. We have arsenic specific filters. We're working on a technology right now that we're beta testing and with some customers. No filtration is perfect. Like you take RO, for instance, you're not going to get everything out with RO. There's nothing that can get everything out of the water. You can get close, but you have drawbacks to each of those. So we're working with the technology now where we're able to achieve distillation level filtration and even better without the water waste and without any of the other, you know, drawbacks of 
distillation and RO, like, you know, having a holding tank and, you know, wasting a ton of water and having, you know, concentrated contaminants and membranes. Our goal is to be able to get the water to where you just turn on your spigot and the water's coming out at the same pressure as the house without having a drain, without having a holding tank or anything else. And so we're testing a technology now. I mean, any filter you use is going to be affected by water dynamics because no water is going to be like lab water, right? Water is so dynamic and complex everywhere you go. And so the challenge is to be able to provide a filter that filters to the customer's expectation without having a lot of the drawbacks and being able to work with different water dynamics and still have a really good outcome. So is the first thing that somebody should do, and, and I do want to talk about what people could do if they can't do a whole house, because obviously the gold standard would be filter and structure all the water you're going to be drinking, bathing in, feeding to your pets, you know, washing your dishes in, et cetera. And I do want to talk about some options for people who may not be able to install a whole house system, like if they're renting or they're in a condo or apartment or something like that. If someone wants to install one of these filtration systems and there's a whole bunch of different options in terms of the filtration mediums, is the first thing that somebody should do to actually test their water? Um, It depends. Like if you're on city water, the contaminants, the amount of chlorine, the amount of fluoride, it's all going to fluctuate. Like today it might be different than next week because, you know, they might add fluoride or they might add chlorine. Um, The contaminant profile is also going to change. So on city water, if you do a water test, it's not really required because that's just going to take a snapshot of where the water's at right now. Um, The only advantage would be like you might pick up like uh, if they have old galvanized pipes, you might see that, oh, they've got lead in their water. That would be the only advantage to maybe see how your plumbing is. But overall, like for city water, we just need like a local water report. You know, city water treatment facilities are transparent about for the most part, they're really transparent about the levels and ranges of everything in the water. So we can look at that and set someone up pretty effectively with a system where they don't need a water test. And then well water, of course, is a, a wild card. Yeah, I know you guys have a whole list of different water test kits on your site, but I think what a lot of people don't realize, you can just type in the name of your town or city or whatever with the phrase water quality report, and you'll get a listing of what's actually in your water. And I think uh, EWG, the Environmental Working Group, they have a whole like water database where you can also look up what's actually in your water. So if someone were to were to call you guys or email you and you know their location and you know that they're on municipal water, not necessarily well water, which they'd have to test, you can at least get a decent idea of what type of filtration technology they should use in their home. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that gives us like a really good snapshot. You know, some of the things that are not on there are obviously pharmaceuticals, maybe glyphosates. There's certain things that you're not going to find on a city water report that we just assume are in the water, right? You go to any city tap water area, you're probably going to have trace pharmaceuticals in the water, like progestin, estrogen, you know, ibuprofen, heart medications. So we always assume that's present in the water. So we always treat that regardless broad spectrum filter. But it is good to know for certain things like arsenic, for instance, which is more challenging to remove and requires something more specific. It's really important for that. And and all those major contaminants that we need to see are always listed on city water reports. What about fluoride? Yeah, fluoride is also listed on there too. Not all cities add fluoride, majority of them do. Like for instance, Spokane, where we live, does not add fluoride to the water. And there's no naturally occurring fluoride either, which is a big plus, that's pretty rare. 
fluoride levels are always, they always have a range of how much fluoride is in the water. Okay. I wasn't sure because I've heard that some of the test kits don't actually test for fluoride and they'll test for a lot of like heavy metals, elements, compounds, you know, inorganic chemicals, pathogenic bacteria, et cetera. But sometimes you have to do a separate fluoride test. So it, it can be kind of, kind of a process to actually test if you want to go above and beyond what your local water report is telling you or what the EWG water database is telling you. But I know you guys have a pretty helpful section of your website where you lay out all the different water test kits that one could do what they're testing for, and whether you're on well or municipal, what to get. So I'll, I'll hunt that down and link to it. Again, the show notes going to be at bengreenfieldlife.com slash Zach, because it sounds to me like that'd really be step one before you decide what kind of filtration technology you want to get. And then once once you've got the test results or you know what you want to get as far as a filter, you've used this term a few times, Zach. I think you said harmonizer. Yeah, a harmonizer. What is that? So the harmonizer is a small cartridge that's within the vortexer. So we have the vortexing, which is your physical toroidal vortexing of the water, you know, to mimic how water moves in nature. Okay, so so is that where the water's passing through all of the, I know a lot of companies use plastic beads. You guys use like glass beads to vortex? We use glass or quartz balls okay. in a triangular formation that, that, you know, we have several of them lined up down the tube. So the water's able to, you know, roll around each ball collide and do the continuous thing to really mimic how like water would move in a waterfall or down a stream, which, you know, sounds very simple, but it's actually a pretty powerful, effective technique to structuring water. And from there, you know, we have water that, you know, if you consider that water stores information, there's a lot of negative information that's been imparted to the water between its journey from the water source to your sink, you know, whether chemicals, or straight pipes, you know, right angle turns, which tends to destructure water. So many different aspects. So the harmonizer in there is meant to sort of impart positive information to the water using subtle natural EMF, basically. This EMF will convey that information to the water. You mean like electromagnetic fields? Like electromagnetic frequency. So it's basically, you know, the frequency, like a manifestation of a waveform, you know, conveys information like a digital signal or like voice and music frequencies, for instance, like convey information wirelessly. It's the same concept, but it's within a like a it's within a cartridge in in the vortexer. And so as the water moves through there, it's going past the vortexer, which is imparting that information to the water, which is where we see a lot of. I mean, we can't quantify you can't quantify structured water very easily. It takes a lot to do that, other than you know seeing that in trials and the outcome of plant cell or you know plant health and soil health and stuff but what we can quantify are energetics so if you were to run water through a vortexer and pass the energizer and use gas discharge visualization or like electrophotonic videography you're able to see a massive increase in energy emitted from you know that drop of water Interesting. Okay. So if the water is, if it passes through the structured water filter and then travels through all these maze of pipes within a household or a property, does it actually maintain any amount of the structure by the time it gets to your tap or your sink or your shower head or whatever? It does. And that's something that, you know, I mean, it depends, you know, how big your house is. If you have an 8,000 square foot house, you might need a bigger vortexer. And, but really, you know, the way that we've quantified this is, Obviously, farms, you know, that are using long pipes, you know, we've had similar effects with 
leaf samples and soil samples using almost a kilometer of pipe, it's hard to quantify how much distance, but we know that the water will stay structured in most households, you know, because we do over-engineer and oversize our vortexers to ensure that the water will stay structured. But in our trials, we've noticed that we have similar effects with a certain amount of, a certain distance of pipe. So the water will stay structured in a pipe. It just depends on how long the water is traveling through that pipe, like the distance of the pipe. And that's something that, you know, we're constantly researching. Okay, got it. And then these harmonizer cartridges that you have as part of the filtration system, it's my understanding that's like a sealed copper cartridge that's got different quartzes and, and minerals in it, like tourmaline and chungite and zeolite and bentonite, things like that, you know, all these earth minerals and sea minerals. And that's what is combined with the actual structuring. So it's getting vortex and exposed to all these minerals. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. Like nearly every element on the periodic table of element periodic table of elements, and then it's immersed in a highly charged spring water and then placed in that cartridge. Do you have any hypothesis as to why when I did, as dad told me, I, I put it, I got, I got a harmonizer. I put one in my refrigerator. I've got one next to all my essential oils and I've got one in my hot tub and one in my pool. I want to put one in the hot tub and in the pool. We had a significant decrease in the amount of chemicals that were required to keep the water clean. Like we just have to use trace amounts of chemicals now because the water stays clean. And and I know that our water that we're using to fill the pool is structured and filtered. But when I put the harmonizer in, it's like it, it, it's somehow upgraded. Do you know what's going on with the harmonizer if you just put it in a refrigerator or you know in a pool or a hot tub or something like that? With the way that the harmonizer works emitting, you know, positive EMF, you do create a bioshield against, you know, negative EMF. That's also a concept for just like personal health device, like wearing a pendant, for instance, it's a harmonizer. Um, what we noticed in, you know, the trials on farming, like conventional farms that still use pesticides, you know, and, and chemicals and like the structured water will actually potentiate the effects of some of those and actually allow them to use, you know, 30% on average less chemicals on their farm or less pesticides because of the way the water is working. So we're increasing the permeability of the water. Some of those concepts, you know, I'm still grasping and understanding. After all, you're just a fitness model. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. It's able to potentiate a lot of the things that you're putting in the water. and But in, in another sense too, especially like with the pool, you know, we're also decreasing chlorine smell and, you know, decreasing the amount of chlorine you're using and having better effects in the pool. And, you know, a lot of those concepts are more than just potentiating some of the chemicals that are put in, but also changing the dynamics of them, too, to where they're more effective. So if someone's using a lot of these personal protection devices for EMF, like there's also like I have a, I have a Soma Vedic over here in the court. People are constantly sending me this stuff. I got a Soma Vedic. I got a key device. I got you know, the blue shield, all sorts of these different EMF blocking type of devices, this harmonizer would kind of fall into that category. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And, I mean, a lot of these companies like, you know, some of it's all, they're all like these proprietary, it's all the same concept, right? Of subtle positive electromagnetic frequency, ideally in a, in a natural form, uh, which our body tends to respond to the best, but they're all the same concepts. Each one just has a different proprietary way of doing it. Okay. Got it. Now, the Vortexer, because I want to talk about what you do if you can't afford or don't have a, a house that you would install a whole house structure harmonizer unit in. 
I have this on the go thing that dad gave me. It's a handheld vortexer that you're supposed to pour water through. I obviously don't need to use that at my home because I have the whole house filter. I can travel with it, but then the main thing I use it for is when I pour a glass of wine, there's an old school Tim Ferriss tactic of using a latte frother to froth any pour of wine to make it taste better, to introduce oxygen, et cetera. But what I do when I have house guests over is I pour the wine through the device and the difference in the taste between the wine that's been vortexed versus that that hasn't is absolutely staggering. But is that the the only real solution that you guys have for people who don't have a whole house filter is you just pour your water through this vortexer or are there other things that you have countertop or otherwise if people don't have a whole house option? Yeah, like uh, for instance, where I live, I don't have a whole house option. You can put under sinks in, under sink filtration systems in rentals. A lot of people will use gravity feeds. So they'll basically, uh, you know, get have like a Berkey or something similar or, you know, we sell actual filters that fit the Berkey and fit gravity feed devices, which are probably the cheapest and easiest way to go. And then they'll just have a handheld vortexer so that when they pour the water, the filtered water, you know, out of the bottom reservoir of their uh, gravity feed, it goes in through the vortexer and into their glass. So you can use it kind of manually that way. Obviously, it's an extra step. But if you don't have a spot for an you know, under sink, that's a good way to go. And then we have countertops that will also um, hook up to your sink faucet, just kind of uh, grab onto your sink faucet. And then, you know, you can run water through it that way. And that actually has a vortex or flow tube built into it oh. uh, with a single filter. And so you're able to get it a little bit more conveniently that way. But I'd say the most popular way that people use, especially if they're like RV living or just renting and unable to put anything in or don't want to spend, you know, 800 bucks, spend a few hundred bucks and get a gravity feed and you can vortex the water after that. So that way it's filtered. And then, you know, it's a good idea to filter your water, not just structuring and energizing it. Although the foundational aspect is going to, you're going to get the most benefits with a handheld after a filter. Yeah. So, so your countertop filter, that's going to use one of the different filters that you talked about, like like a Ceramedics or, or a Catalytic Carbon or whatever. And then that will go through the Vortex flow tube. So technically, you have a freestanding filter system. I could just put on my counter, hook up to my kitchen water and have in the kitchen if I have like a condo or an apartment or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's a single filter. It's going to, you know, it's not going to have the same filtering capability as an undersink, but they're really quality broad spectrum filters that do a good job of at least making your water much safer. And what do you do about hardness or scaling? Is that, is that something that you take into consideration with the filters or do you have some kind of solution for that? Yeah. So obviously for under sink, we're not really treating hard water that much, you know, highly mineralized water. We do have a lot of anecdotal testimonials of customers that have resolution of like scale deposits and stuff in their tea kettles by just having the water run through a vortexer. We have shown a decrease in TDS with just a vortexer, which can, you know, implicate some water hardness as well. For our whole house systems, we use a technology called nucleized assisted crystallization. So basically, we're able to treat anion scale, cation scale, and silica while keeping the minerals bioavailable to the body. And we can do that on a whole house level. So basically you're saving your pipes from scale you're saving you know, your shower heads and all that nasty buildup from scale while also keeping the minerals in on like a softener, which is going, you know, has the salt aspect to it and takes out the minerals and, you know, generally is an environmentally incredibly terrible 
there's drawbacks to everything, of course, but the water conditioning stuff that we use for hard water on whole house level is is pretty effective and also will remove the issues that people sometimes get with really hard water, like on with their hair and skin. Yeah. Now, now I know you also have some garden and pool specific options in addition to the whole house and the kitchen countertop options, and then also some of these these EMF blocking type of devices, but it can be kind of staggering, kind of dizzying for people to know what it is they're supposed to get. I think you told me at one point, like you spent a lot of time on the phone with people just walking folks through which system they're supposed to get. But let's say somebody's listening and, and they want to structure their water and then vortex their water and see what that feels like and tastes like, et cetera. Is the best thing to do to just call up or go to the website? The best way is really calling us or emailing us, you know, and we do get a lot of those. And that's, you know, one of our goals with water filtration is to have it so dialed that we can really just throw one system at most tap waters and have it work effectively, which is what we're really close to. Inevitably, people will need to call and kind of get some direction on stuff. And that's just that's just the nature of this business. And that's something that we want to be able to continue to provide for people. Do you have anything new coming down the pipeline, I guess pun intended here, that, that you guys are developing in, in addition to just looking at the most up-to-date filtration technologies? We've just finished testing and lab testing a technology that affects the pH of the water. So we're able to drop the pH of the water, remove all the constituents of the water to zero, and then realkalize the water naturally through a mineral cartridge. We're beta testing that with a few people right now. The nice thing about it is there's no water waste. You know, we're not removing the minerals. We're, we're dropping the pH with this technology, but not removing the minerals. I don't know nearly as much about it as, you know, the, our chemist who's working on it. But um, we have incredible results with it, even with fluoride, um, arsenic. Uh, we're getting zero level readings with this stuff, and it's pretty incredible. So that's what's coming down the pipeline. If it all works out, it's going to be, you know, really kind of the apex of water filtration. So what's it doing exactly, the, this this newer technology? Like, how's it different? Basically, pH variances can affect how water is filtered. And I couldn't go into the science of all of it uh, just because I don't, I just lack the amount of knowledge that our chemist does. But basically, we're affecting the pH of the water and then running it through carbon, we're able to remove things that normally you wouldn't be able to remove with a normal pH. Because, you know, as water filtration is really subject to the dynamics of each person's water, and which can be very challenging. You can have one filter that removes 100% of fluoride in one area and you go to the next area and it might remove only 65%. So we're trying to like bridge that gap of like being able to take water dynamics out of the picture and get the same amount of filtration to manage customer expectations wherever they live. Interesting. You know, I, I know we're running short on time and we only kind of scratched the surface of what's going on as far as the water filtration industry and some of the options out there for structuring. But I'll include some links to helpful resources as far as test kits and some of the stuff on your guys' website. Uh, folks, go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash Zach. Then uh, you can get access to the show notes and a link to resources for everything that we discussed. All right, one one more kind of fun question. If you could, since I did want to talk a little bit about us and our history and our family, et cetera, what would be your, uh, your, your fondest memory growing up of particularly you and me, since it's you and me on this podcast? 
What's your top memory of you and me? If you could pull one out. Don't embarrass me too much. When you were in fun mode, you were super funny. And and then you would go into focus mode where it's like, oh, he's inaccessible because he's focused on his thing. But in the mornings when we woke up, you would always do, it was like a TV show. And it just was like this Sega that kept on going. You had these characters. I don't remember what they were, like Bart and Butterball and something like that. Oh, yeah. Do these stories underneath the covers mm-hmm. where the little characters would like pop up. Yeah, with my, my feet were the puppets. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, and you would do these stories and then you would like stop. And I it was like watching a TV show, like a cliffhanger. I'd always wait for the next morning when you'd like tell the story again. Yeah. Keep the story going. That was like probably one of my fondest memories because it was like, I don't know, like just something that stuck out to me. I still do that with my sons. I do I do it with my feet where you like put the feet underneath the covers because the feet look like two heads and you kind of pop up and I'll say, hey, I'm Marv, hey, I'm Watermelon. And then the other way I'll do it is with uh, with socks, putting socks on my hands. I don't do that with my sons as much these days. They're 14, so they're getting a little little, little too mature for dad to be doing foot and sock puppet theater actions. But yeah, it's a good, good fun memory. And then when we used to build a, build like Lego fortresses in time to overhead fan mm-hmm. and then wait for it to get closer and closer to the wall and explode. You used to do that a lot. You would take a lot of my top G.I. Joes and tie them with strings <laughs> to the ceiling fan, and I'd walk in and have a bunch of beheaded and delimbed G.I. Joes. Yeah. We could probably go on for a really long time with, with memories and bore people, but I think the main thing I want to get across to people was there's some pretty crazy cool water technology that exists now. Zach and my dad are kind of the two experts on it, in my opinion. And their stuff is really good. I'm obviously biased because they're family members, but I've seen what they're doing. And the water enhancement stuff that they're coming out with is is unparalleled. So I'll link to everything. If you go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash Zach, I know we have some little discounts here and there on some of their stuff. So I'll make sure I put all that in there and pass along the savings to all of you who are listening in. Zach, that was fun, man. We may have to do a part two if people ask for it. Definitely. Good times always. All right, folks, you can leave your questions, your comments, your feedback over at bengreenfieldlife.com slash Zach. You can also watch the video version of this podcast because we're doing videos now on YouTube or in the show notes or wherever else fine podcasts and videos are found. Until next time, I'm Ben Greenfield, along with Zach Greenfield, signing out from bengreenfieldlife.com. Have an amazing week. More than ever these days, people like you and me need a fresh, entertaining, well-informed, and often outside-the-box approach to discovering the health and happiness and hope that we all crave. So I hope I've been able to do that for you on this episode today. And if you liked it, or if you love what I'm up to, then please leave me a review on your preferred podcast listening channel, wherever that might be, and just find the Ben Greenfield Life episode. Say something nice. Thanks so much. It means a lot.